welcome Peter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Peter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. Or should I say, Gutentag, because we found out today, this morning, that the Bucks Germany game, which we already knew about, we found out further information that they're going to be playing the Seattle Seahawks in Germany on November 13th. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And of course, as you see on the logo here, we went through all the Bucks draft in recent days and over the weekend. So now we're going to get into the rest of the NFC South, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints. So we got an action-packed show for you today on the Peter Report Podcast. I am Matt Matera, and joined with me is the man that runs the place, SR, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you doing, sir? Guten Tag. <laughs> I love that, yeah. <laughs> In the words of Def Leppard, Bon Tag, Lieben, Laten, Bloven. And then you got uh, the yes. little stunt. All right. I got something to say. The Buccaneers are playing the Seahawks in Munich, Germany. (laughs) I love it. That might have to be the intro for today's show. A little uh, Def Leppard riffing right there. Um, So, yeah, very cool. The Bucs are playing the Seahawks. I guess the Seahawks have a very big following over there in Germany. I kind of saw that on the interwebs today. And uh, I've also heard that, that the Germany... The, the German fan base is is a super loud for like football games. I was about to say yeah. soccer. I didn't mean to enter to uh, um, you know annoy and and insult our our international followers that call soccer football. But uh, I've, I've heard that that the Germans get crazy loud for their their football games. So when they're watching football, when Tom Brady goes against uh, Drew Locke, <laughs> when the Bucks play the Seahawks, ooh, uh, it's going to be super yeah. loud for Tom Brady. That's what I, I read on the uh, on the Twitter today. Yeah, apparently they're playing on the field where the football team Bayern Munich plays. I believe they're okay. a pretty good team. I don't know a ton about uh, the league that they're in. I believe it's Bundesliga, which I just know because when we were in the middle of the pandemic, like the first sport that came back was soccer or football. Yeah. So I had something to bet on. So I did right. hear about the Bundesliga. <laughs> and Colin w-, w actually brings up a good point right away here. Does this mean week 11 by after the international game? Most of the time, this hasn't been Hope for so. every single team, but yeah. for a majority of the teams, their bye week is after yeah. an international game. And I don't know about you, Scott, but for me, the later the bye week, the better for the Bucs. I think it was... Worked out pretty well in 2020. Exactly. It was very impactful for the Bucs uh, during their Super Bowl winning year. They were able to right the ship and figure yep. out what was going right, what was going wrong during that bye week. And last year was pretty late, too. Obviously, they didn't win the Super Bowl. But I still think the later the bye week, the better. I mean, you don't want yep. one of those week five buys or week six, especially when you have a... The Bucs are predominantly young, but when you have a 45-year-old quarterback and Tom yeah. Brady later in the season is a thousand percent better yeah exactly and so when you're looking at the 2020 season they had the bye week in week 13 they played the chiefs and lost actually lost a pair of of home games back to back 27 24 was the identical score to the rams on monday Mm -hmm. night then to the chiefs on that sunday then they had their bye week in week 13 then they come back and didn't lose a game the rest of the way so this will be a week 11 bye if the nfl grants tampa bay which they should uh, they're flying even further, further than London, right? It's like probably an hour in the air past London to go to Germany. I'm, I'm guessing so. So Scott Federico giving us the international update here uh, with Bayern Munich, uh, one of the top five clubs in the world. Very cool. Didn't know that. So you learn a lot on this Peter Report podcast, people, not just from the Bucks experts like Matt and I. So 
very much appreciate that. Um, That's right. And they, they, yeah, they better give the Bucks the bye week after that, especially because yeah. we're in the NFL now where there's an extra game. And this is the year where the NFC teams get that extra home game. The Bucks don't right. get that home field advantage with playing in, uh, in Germany. And speaking right. about international games, speaking about going international, mm-hmm. I just want to give a quick shout out to my mom, my aunts, and my grandma. They oh. are flying to Ireland today. They're in the airport Sweet. watching the Peter Report podcast right now. So just want to say I love you guys. I wish you a great time on your trip to Ireland and safe travels and, and thanks for watching and send so pictures. We, yes. Please send pictures. Yes. And, I um, I, I love Irish food. I love the Irish culture. I'm part Irish. So I'm nice. extremely jealous right now, Matt, you should have told me and I would have, I would have gone as a chaperone to make sure that <laughs> make sure know, they get there safely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Be a security detail. I mean, I'm not sure how much security I would offer, but, um, I could buy a round of drinks right at a, they, at a pub or something. They'll take that. My goodness, my Guinness. That's so, exactly. I'm a huge yeah. Guinness fan. I would love to tour Guinness. Hopefully they'll, they'll do the same thing over there. That's that's fantastic. Since we're kind of talking about some sports and places outside of Tampa Bay, and we'll get to the Buccaneers and the NFC South in just a second. Bear with us. I, I've got an apology to make. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. Upon further review. I wore the wrong shirt on Monday. For the podcast. Interesting. Lucky Tampa Bay Lightning shirt. It's the blue one. Today's the lucky shirt. Okay. So I'm not saying I was the reason for that 5 nothing loss up there in Toronto on Monday, but I didn't help the team. That's for sure. And I just wanted to come clean and admit that. I had my Lightning Stanley Cup championship shirt on, and that's a little premature. They've won it the last two years. I was getting a little ahead of myself. And, you know, what's what's done is done. That's in the past. And I need to focus on just the, the clean, no championship mention, no Stanley Cup mention, Tampa Bay Lightning shirt that has worked for me and the Lightning throughout the years. So I've got the right shirt on today. Also, too, I, I think I read something on online that Monday was an exhibition game up there in Toronto. And that did not count. It didn't count because as as the two-time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning are concerned, they are the guest up there in Toronto. And I've heard that Toronto has a hard time in the playoffs. And it's there's nothing more rude than, than being a guest in someone else's home. So to go up there and, and beat them in their own place in, in game one as the defending Stanley Cup champions, the two-time champions, that would be rude. So from what I understand... The Lightning did not want to do that, um, but now I think it's kind of show no mercy, right? Especially after the fist fights and Jan Ruda had a big cut on his head and was bleeding everywhere. Now I think it's on, and I'm excited to see what happens tonight, especially since I've got the right shirt on. Go Bolts. That's big of you to admit, and yeah, maybe the the, the Bolts got a little cocky in, in that first game, but you know what? It makes it even better. You give the, the Maple Leafs that false sense of hope, and then the Lightning yeah. come back and just... right. Take it the, to them for the next four or five, how many games it takes. But I'm still very confident in yeah. the Bolts. The, the, the other thing, too, and th- this is not, again, this is not Celsius's fault. This is my fault because th- these are my <laughs> actions. I wore the wrong shirt on a Monday. I also drank the wrong Celsius. Now, when it comes to flavor and energy, it was the right Celsius because I love the Arctic vibe. But look at this color, Matt. It's blue and, and white and silver. And, and I thought to myself, okay, go Bolts. But yeah. then it, it just dawned on me, that's also the Maple Leafs colors, the blue and white. I was kind of a little confused watching that. Like When I was watching yeah. the game, I was like, oh, wait, 
Hold on. Okay, yeah. yeah, there's lightning. There's the main right. thing. Right. <laughs> so now the thing is, is it may be given how they how poorly they played, they did not drink a Celsius as a team, and they should. And I would I would maybe recommend Arctic Vibe or any of the awesome Celsius flavors. Why? Because our friends over at Celsius, they make the best tasting energy drinks around. And the other thing is, is there's no sugar, there's no preservatives, and that means no sugar crash. So when you're enjoying the, the awesome taste of, of Celsius, and you're getting that energy, there's no sugar rush that you're getting that's going to make you crash a couple hours later. This is pure energy, folks. It's fantastic. So I hope the bolts drank up. Maybe not this one. What I did today, just to be on the safe side, orange. You know why? There you go. There's no oranges up in Toronto. It's citrus. Damn right. There's yeah, plenty of oranges. In, plenty of oranges in the state of Florida. Right. And you know what, too? When you're on the first of all, shout out Celsius. I'm drinking the the sparkling grapefruit, or I'm about to drink it. Another and citrus the flavors, right there. You know what? Yeah. There's no grapefruit in Toronto, Matt. There just yeah. isn't. And no when, you're either. The, when you're the road team starting out a series, you just got to take one of two on the road. Right. So the Bolts will handle their business tonight, just like the way that Celsius handles their business, making delicious drinks and delicious food as well with, with the power bars. I mean, when they talk about a flavor, that flavor tastes like what they're describing. It's not, you know, tropical peach vibe this, and it doesn't really taste like peach. That tastes like peach. The yes. orange it tastes like I'm drinking orange soda. It's unbelievable. You see the tropical vibe there as well, too. That quickly moved up the ranks in, uh, really in my Celsius drink rankings. You were the one that gave it to me when we were on the trip to yep. West Palm Beach for the NFL owners meeting. So I can't recommend Celsius enough. And it's everywhere near you, all right? It's in local gas stations, convenience stores, bodegas. It is all over the place. Celsius is taking over. They got huge sponsors as well. Dustin Poirier, the UFC fighter couple box players sponsored yeah. by uh celsius so anywhere you look there's going to be a celsius so yeah. make sure you go go on amazon as well too get some uh discounts there as well and the fast yeah. brands the chocolate bars they yeah. are um as advertised as i'm telling you these these protein bars by fast are phenomenal and what's even better than the awesome taste of white chocolate cookies and cream and the salted caramel peanut crunch is the fact that you can save $5 off a 12-pack right now on Amazon. Use that promo code 5FASTLANE and save $5 off a 12-pack on protein bars. So the best place to get Celsius and the fast protein bars is on Amazon. Mr. Wright has it right here. That's the problem with the bolts. Need more Celsius. They really do. Could not do. agree yeah. more. Yeah. Could not agree more. Yep. No doubt about it. Um, okay, so... We've got uh, we've got a, a pretty interesting show here because we're really kind of diving into into the Bucks opponents, and I wanted to take a a, a look at at where the these other teams got better because I mean I, I think in the draft everybody kind of gets better, right? I mean sure. it's hard to get worse. I mean unless you completely <laughs> bomb a draft. I mean yeah. the Bucks did that in 2016, I guess, with uh, with a host of bad picks, one after the other. Vernon Hargraves, Noah Spence. Uh, Roberto Aguayo, oh, don't don't leave, folks. Don't leave. We're not going to talk about the 2016 Bucks draft. I promise. Don't leave. <laughs> Stay here. But we are going to talk about what the Bucks did this year, <clears throat> and some of the of, of the rivals, and like like Logan Hall. Who's he going to face in the NFC South? Who are the guards he's going to go up against? We're going to talk talk about that. We're going to look at the the Falcons, Panthers, and Saints drafts, and we're going to maybe see who they're going to be matched up with here in Tampa Bay. So I think it's going to be a fun show. Matt, I'm asking you, where should we start? Which other team, aside from the Buccaneers, do you think had the best draft out of the, Great the three NFC South 
teams. Well, I could tell you who was an abomination just in terms of their trades and getting a lack of number of players was that that was the Saints, like without question. Okay. I agree. Making we'll all those there. trades. Okay, let's start let's, with the New Orleans Saints. And I think arguably they're probably the biggest rival of the Bucs, at least currently, in terms of yeah. you know, the big games that they've played, the the little back and forth between players and the fan bases too. Let's let's not sugarcoat that. There's a lot right. of uh talking back and forth there. But uh, yeah, so you see there the Saints. They had they had two first round picks after making a trade. They actually traded these their 16th, their 98th, which is a third round pick and a fourth round pick to Washington to move up five spots to the uh, number 11 pick, where they took Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Now remember, Olave was the third wide receiver taken off the board. It went Drake London, yeah, and then the Jets took Garrett Wilson. Uh, well, actually, the Falcons took Drake London. Right. So we're talking about in the division. Then the Jets took Garrett Wilson. And then it was another Ohio State guy with Chris Olave right there in the first round. Um, so the, the okay. thing is, when you, when you look at, at, at this, the Saints, right, they've got they, they've got a, a pretty good receiver. I don't think he's great. I think he's overrated, honestly, Michael Thomas. I think if he, if he is a top 10 receiver, he's probably number 10. He's slant boy. That's what he he's is. Slant boy, Carlton Davis. He's, thank you for that one. Yeah, he's a he's a chain mover. He is a guy that would not go deep at all. He's a possession type receiver, and he's he caught a high volume of passes from Drew Brees because a Drew Brees is accurate, and b Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball deep at the end of his career, and so he got a lot of manufactured touches that really I think kind of overinflated his his uh, um, his production. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, he's also been hurt. They needed another receiver to help Jameis Winston, the quarterback, out. Uh, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith. You know, they've they've got some guys that 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 are okay receivers, but getting another top notch type receiver and the difference with the Labe as opposed to uh, a Michael Thomas or even a, a Callaway or a Smith is this guy can really stretch the field, right? And Jameis, we know, does have a big arm, and so I, I think that. That when you look at the need and the fit, I think this is a, a pretty good pick for the Saints. Where it concerns me, if I'm the Buccaneers, is just the speed factor, right? But you know what, Matt? And talking to the defensive coaches and the way they played last year, and I know it was a little frustrating maybe for the fans to watch so much soft zone underneath um, you know, type of coverage, is they didn't allow a lot of the big plays over their head. Except for the last play, of course, which was yep. a, a busted coverage <laughs> on you know on a zero blitz when they were were trying to to get to Matthew Stafford, and he decided uh, to uh, to throw the ball deep to Cooper Cup, and that was the right decision because they got him in field goal range and they won the game. But really, outside of that, there weren't too many big plays on this Bucks defense where the ball went over their head. That was a marked difference from the 2020 season. Everybody remembers that Kansas City game where Tyreek Hill went nuts in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, I mean, I, I, I think that Olave's speed is a concern, but I think Todd Bowles has really shown that he can do a pretty good job with, with coverages of keeping the guy in, in front of you. And you look at Jamel Dean and uh, Carlton Davis. Those are big, phys- big physical corners. They might use Olave in the slot, but he's not a big guy, and I think the Bucks' defensive backs can bully him off the line. What do you think? Right. You bring up a, a great point, Scott, because and I really liked Olave in terms of he was he was one of my crushes, but I wouldn't have taken him with the 11th pick. I was thinking of him, you know, coming to the Bucks if he 
if he fell that late. But in terms of filling a, a need at, at a position, the Saints definitely needed a, another wide receiver, even if Michael Thomas comes into this year fully healthy. They just, they don't, you mentioned the other names like Callaway. Those aren't clear number two guys, maybe not even number three guys. So they really needed to address that. Now, I don't want to jump the gun here because we're going to get to the Falcons. But if we're going to look at new wide receivers and wide receivers that both teams want to be their top guys, or at least a really, really good number two, mm-hmm. Atlanta, you got Drake London. As we are talking about right now, the Saints have Chris Olave. The receiver I would be more concerned about, the Bucks defending, mm-hmm. would be Chris Olave because yeah. of the fact that he's quicker. He might not be as tall, but he's still got those deep, big play abilities. Right. Now, you just talked about how the Bucks were going to counteract that. And my point would be that normally, if we're talking about number one wide receivers, mm-hmm. that's going to be Carlton Davis that's on them. But we've seen the Bucks implement a couple of things in the past when it's a quicker wide receiver. Now, Tyreek Hill annihilated the Bucks in that first yeah. game, but obviously the Bucs adjusted, changed things for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they, 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 they really, they went to cover two, right? And the thing yeah. is, Carlton Davis usually plays on the left side, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll match him and and do what they call cat coverage, which is you got that cat wherever he goes on the field. Uh, yeah. But but primarily Carlton Davis is on the left side. But when the Chiefs matched up Tyreek Hill against Carlton Davis, the Bucks liked that because that was their best cornerback against the Chiefs' best receiver. But the Chiefs loved it because... Carlton Davis is not as fast as Tyreek Hill was. And it wasn't until they went to cover two that they really kind of kept Tyreek Hill in front of him and slowed him down. And I think that's probably how they'll play Olave is, is use more cover two against the Saints. Right. I could see that. Or I was going to say, too, they might go back to using Jamel Dean, who's a quicker corner and mm-hmm. still has that length. Put Jamel Dean on Chris Olave. Yeah. And now if we're talking, if Get we're assuming. In yeah. And now we're assuming if Michael Thomas is healthy, that's a better suited matchup for Carlton Davis. And Carlton Davis has yes. played very well against Michael Thomas. And let's yeah. face it, too, that's pure entertainment because they hate each other. And yes, I'm sure they'll no get doubt. after each other <laughs> on social media as well, too. So yeah. while that X's and O's, that might not change too much, it still just yeah. makes it fun uh, as someone who that covers right. the team. And I'm sure the fans will mm-hmm. like it, too. So I think Olave is more of a threat to what he can do to the Bucs. Um, but Tampa Bay, without question, with the adjustments that Todd Bowles can make, the, with the adjustments that we've seen Coach right. Bowles implement and not let his ego get in the way, like as we talked about with the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Olave, none, no one in on any of these teams that the NFC South just drafted, I don't think there's one player that's going to be like, ooh, he's a game changer. This is going to be the downfall of the Bucs this season right. because this one guy beat yeah. the Bucs. I don't yeah, I, see that coming. I agree. I don't think that Olave is going to turn into a, a buck killer. Right over yes. the years, I could be wrong, and and of course the Saints giving up all of that haul, right? I mean they, you know they 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 hope he will be. I mean that they gave up a lot just to get up to to get a lobby. And I don't think he's a generational talent. I don't think that he is a world beater wide receiver. We'll see. Richard asked, who is the offensive coordinator for the Saints? It's Pete Carmichael. He was the play caller that produced ten points against the Bucks defense. <laughs> Um, uh, when, when, uh, Sean won, Payton was, yeah. was, uh, was out with COVID for that, that Bucks game where they, they lost, what was, what was it? Uh, it was nine, nothing, wasn't it? It was, yeah, nine, it was nine nothing. nothing. Yeah. It was a right. field goal fiesta. As right. So they didn't even score a touchdown. So, uh, Pete Carmichael, good coach. I'm not knocking him, but I, I think, you know, I think that I'd be naive to say he's not Sean Payton in terms of, of being a master play caller. So the combination of Pete Carmichael and Jameis Winston, who, 
and we just had that, that tweet up there. Thankfully, Jameis can't hit, hit the deep ball. The thing with Jameis, he was a, a decent deep ball thrower with Mike Evans only because he threw so many contested catches that Mike yeah. Evans could high point and go up and get. But he also missed him wide open and other receivers plenty of times. Uh, yeah, and that was before LASIK, so we'll see post LASIK <laughs> how Jameis could. Yeah, I, I think a perfect example, and sorry, Bucks fans, don't don't hate me for this one, but Deshaun Jackson thrived with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We, we're talking about a couple of years ago, but yeah. Djax had a great report with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but could just they could never get on the same page with with Jackson yeah. um, and Jameis Winston. Yeah, want to give a shout out to Leo here for the super chat, and it goes into what we we're going to talk about yeah. next. Um, because what did Jason Light talk about, Scott, before this draft even started? He talked about how there's a lot of value in the in the middle rounds. Correct. Uh, in those late rounds. While the Saints had two first-round picks, and part of Leo's comment is what I want to get to in a second, yep. but they had two picks in the first, a pick in the second, and then they didn't have another pick until the fifth and sixth round. So we're talking about those middle rounds, fourth, right then and there. The right. Saints did not have a pick at all there. The, uh, the picks for the, the Saints here, Northern Iowa left tackle Trevor Penning. Alante yep. from Tennessee, DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State, Appalachian State, not sure which way you say it, and uh, Jordan Jackson as well, too. But as Leo says, he doesn't like the Falcons or Panthers either, says they suck. Saints have so many issues. Honey Badger doesn't help the O-line. Mr. 30-30, a worse defensive lineman and no actual head coach. Bucks got this. Now, he says the Honey Badger doesn't help the offensive line. Right. That's true, but they did address the offensive line with their other first-round pick in Northern Iowa left tackle. Trevor Penning, which a lot yeah. of people, he made a lot of noise between the senior bowl, the combine and obviously getting drafted. He, he's the person that many analysts have talked about. Yeah. He's, he's a big ruffian. They needed somebody to replace Armstead. I don't think this guy's the technician that will step in and, and be that, that um, bodyguard, that pass protector, right. That, mm -hmm. that Armstead was, I think that he might help more in the running game. And I think that might lean more on the running game with Camara hoping that he has a little bit more of a bounce back here as a runner and, and not, I think that the, the formula for Jameis Winston getting off to a good start last year, Matt was not having him throw the ball nearly as much as Bruce Arians did. Let's not forget Jameis Winston led the league in passing the same year. He yeah. led the league in interceptions and set a record for franchise or for uh, the NFL uh, most pick sixes in a, in a season. So, yeah, I, I think if I'm the Saints, I want to run the ball a little bit more. And Trevor Penning is probably a better run blocker. And he's kind of a big, nasty bouncer enforcer type guy. And we'll see. But there is going to be a jump, a leap, I think, from northern Iowa to the NFL. And some people can make it. Ali Marpet made it from an even smaller school in Hobart College. And he did he did a position switch, right, from left tackle to guard to right guard his rookie season and did really, really well. I'm not saying Penning's going to be a bad player, but I got to see how quickly he can make that leap because he made some buzz at the senior bowl. You were there, Matt, but it wasn't like this guy was the best offensive lineman at the senior bowl and really stood out. He just kind of came in with reputation for being nasty. And I think that was, that was what the, the scout said during the week is, yeah, he's nasty. He's nasty. Okay. But how was he in terms of his technique? How was he in terms of, of being able to, to pass protect and win one-on-one -on -one battles. Yeah, the first thing that really everyone was talking about wasn't even his skill set. It was his chippiness. Right. Like, oh, he, he's hitting a guy after the play. Oh, he's getting in someone's fight. face. A lot of, yeah, lot, starting a lot of fights, starting a lot of 
chicanery, as, as people like to say. <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of the Senior Bowl, I I don't really recall any situation where, like, oh, my God, he, you know, he got torched on that play. The, the mm-hmm. defensive lineman just ran right through him like a turnstile. On the flip side, though, there weren't too many reps that um, that I was watching where on the flip side of he dominated. He, where he just a clean win, right? Yeah, five, yeah. ten yards back. I thought he was a, a, a solid player. I do like that edge and that attitude for him, especially when you go up against like this Buccaneers line, especially with JPP not there and probably not in Dominican Subak. The defensive line is definitely not soft because they're one of the best defensive lines in the league, best against the run. But you kind of got a couple of Mr. Nice guys, you know, Shaq Barrett, fun-loving type of guy. We spoke about him stepping up to be a leader. We spoke about Vita Vea, again, not like a soft player by any means, but he doesn't have that edge or nastiness that I think we would like a little bit more. I think that's something that we want to see from Vita Vea a little bit more this year. And they're they're maybe not Vita, but like Shaq is definitely more of a finesse player. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously Shaq has played extremely well here with the box but even like will golson i don't see that like and he's a motivated player but that like overall tenacity of an angry player that's going to get in your face and do something he makes plays but when you go up against someone like trevor penning i think sometimes you need a little bit of that either to Mm -hmm. to match up with it fight fire with fire or just make sure that they don't get any type of mental edge uh, in the game yeah and penning's a big dude right and he's he's a, a big massive type offensive tackle and those are the kind of guys that have given Shaq Barrett problems mm-hmm. right whether it's Rob Havenstein on the right side uh for you know for the the Rams whether it's Ryan Ramchek the right tackle for the the Saints I, I'd like to see him get back to playing more of the right side of the of the defensive line rather than the left side going up against those right tackles because I think that the Shaq is easier to chip when he's on on the left side of the defense going against the right tackle where you got that tight end right there, you know, a back can step up and chip him. I, I love him going up against an island, and I'd love to see Shaq Barrett, with his experience and all of his sacks, go up against a rookie left tackle in, in New Orleans and penning. To me, that's the win right there. Not that Joe Tryon, Joe Tryon Shoenka can't have success there, but if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm putting Shaq against the rookie all day long and, and seeing what he can do going up against James Winston. So let's round out the the Saints draft here. They did draft a, a cornerback in the second round. They needed some, some secondary help, and they like these guys that can kind of play multiple positions. If you're in New Orleans, yeah. whether, whether you're a cornerback, you're going to play some in the slot. Whether you're a slot guy, you're going to play some safety. And Alante Taylor is a player that, that has kind of been forecasted to play either a corner or a safety. And I didn't study him a whole bunch. I'm not an Elante Taylor expert, but I will say this. Generally speaking, the Saints defensive backs have done a pretty credible job over the years. Dennis Allen has found a way to get the right matchups to really intercept Tom Brady and before that intercept the likes of, of Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Saints have just had the Bucks number. And I think that the defensive backs that, that Dennis Allen and you know when he was part of of uh, you know of Sean Payton's uh, staff, now he's the head coach. They've just done a really good job of drafting for defense. So I think Taylor is is probably a really good fit for the Saints, and even Demarco Jackson. When you look at at him and the other uh, player that they drafted, 
which is the Air Force kid, Jordan Jackson, which Jordan I liked. Jackson. I like both of those guys. Um, I, I think that Jackson will be a rotational type player, and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, given his size, they play him uh, as as a, a defensive end type. Um, mm-hmm. Just when you look at, at the fact that New Orleans likes big defensive ends, you look at Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, That's who they right. drafted in the first round last year. You look at on the other side of the line, Cam Jordan, uh, Tano Passigno. I mean, they have some big dudes. They, they're a big defensive front that doesn't have just big defensive tackles like David Onyemata in the middle with Shy Tuttle. They have big defensive ends. They have four beefy big dudes across there. And I think that even though Jackson played some defensive tackle, obviously at Air Force, he can play inside on nickel rush. He can be a defensive end on the outside. And and uh, when it comes to uh, DeMarco Jackson, I think that's a depth piece long-term because you still have DeMario Davis, who I don't know about you, but DeMario Davis to me was the best inside linebacker in the <sighs> NFC last year. I love DeMario Davis I so too. much. It breaks my heart because he played for the Jets too. So I loved him on yes. the Jets. And then not only for him to leave, it's one thing if you leave, I, I would never blame any player in the history of the NFL for leaving the Jets. But to go to the Saints and have to play the Bucs twice a year. And Scott, you talked about that versatility. We talk about versatility a lot with the with the Bucs defense and what Todd Bowles can do with creativity. But you need that for the Saints defense because I think probably the best thing the Saints do besides, you know, get, get after the quarterback and generate yeah. that push up front. And Tom Brady's talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. The disguises that they throw at opposing offenses Tom Brady has seen everything in the league. Yeah, all right. He he's been in confused. the NFL for over two decades. And he still, as you said, he still gets confused by what the Saints do mm-hmm. on defense. There's no other team that has caused headaches, problems, issues for the Bucs. And since Tom Brady has been with Tampa Bay for two seasons, like the Saints has, especially when they go into New Orleans, it's just something different. You never see Tom Brady throw multiple picks, except for the NFC championship game, but they won. Yeah. So whatever. You just never see it. And then all of a sudden they go to New Orleans and things change and Tom Brady becomes a regular human being. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, let's let's take a look at, um, at, at a team that I think had the best draft of the NFC South. And, it, you know, aside from aside from the Bucks, the Buccaneers, I think Tampa Bay had the best top to bottom draft. Right. Um, but I, I do think that, that the Atlanta Falcons, they came away with a lot of players I liked Agreed. Agreed. during the scouting process, right? And it starts mm-hmm. with, with Drake London because when you look at their their wide receiving core, Matt, I mean, before drafting Drake London from USC, uh, you had Alamude, Zacchaeus, uh, Kadero Hodge, Auden Tate. Um, those were their what Demir Bird. Those were their wide receivers, right? With Calvin Ridley suspended for the entire year, it's just it was not a good look for, um, for the quarterback situation, right? I mean, you got Marcus Mariota. They drafted uh, Desmond Ritter. We'll get to him in a second, but they they needed a wide receiver to pair with Kyle Pitts. Scott, you talk about there's needs, and then there's extremely exhausted. We have no other options starving needs. And that's what it was for the Atlanta Falcons with Drake London. And I very much like Drake London. I would not have taken him as my number one wide receiver. And we talked about this a lot on the Peter report draft show. 
the comparisons to Mike Evans, Drake London models his game off of Mike Evans. We all know that there are similarities in terms of the overall length and, and look and everything like that. Um, but they're not the same exact player for one specific reason that Mike Evans is deceptively fast. Now, can right. Drake London have an impact for the Falcons? Absolutely. They have no one else to throw it to other than the running back position, which we'll get, yeah, we'll get to Pitts. that. And, and Kyle Pitts. Pitts. And Pitts yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Kyle Pitts as well, too. But Draglon was a desperate need, but I don't see him hurting the Bucks for a lot of the things that we talked about before, but especially because Carlton Davis, number one lockdown corner, soon to be all pro if he can make some interceptions and hold on to the damn ball, as Kevin Ross said yesterday. Yep. Carlton Davis, I feel like, is not going to have many issues at all, especially with the rookie like Drake London. Right. Drake London in a couple of years from now, sure, I could see that being more of a problem. Might have to change the defense up a little bit in that situation. But in terms of this year, the 2022 season, Carlton Davis versus Drake London, I'm taking Carlton Davis 15 times out of 10. He's got the length. He's got enough speed to match up with him. Carlton likes to go after the ball. He might not right. always intercept it, but he gets his hands on the ball and make sure at least that it goes for an incomplete pass. I right. really like this matchup for Carlton Davis. So what you're saying is you would bet on Carlton Davis against 100%. the rookie Drake London. 100% I would bet on Carlton Davis to get the better of Drake London. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. If you're going to place such a bet, Matt, I don't know if they have a prop bet for that just yet, but our friends at my bookie, they want to let you know that this weekend, UFC 274, Saturday, May 7th, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Place your bets. And the best thing about this is if you have not signed up for my bookie yet, folks, it's not just for football season, right? We have the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball is in full swing. And, of course, all these UFC fights that are coming up. And then you've got uh, some PGA events right around the corner. It's year-round action at MyBookie, and that's the place you want to go, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code PEWTER when you sign up for your initial deposit, and they will match your deposit up to $1,000. That's the welcome bonus you're going to get. So make sure you visit MyBookie. It's fun. It's a great way. They've got fantastic in-game prop bets. You can do live betting, and I, I always love betting on college football and pro football. Those are my sports to bet on in the football season. It's on the way folks. It's going to be here before you know it, but with year round action and gaming like the UFC 20 or 274 fight coming up this Saturday, make it my bookie, use the promo code pewter and they will double your deposit up to a thousand dollars. Yeah. Great main event there. I believe Justin Gaethje is fighting for those in the chat that are uh, big UFC fans. Always fun. Great prop bets in the UFC too. Cause you can bet on a, a fighter to win. But yeah. if you want to bet a little bit or if you want to like win the, a little bit more if you, first or something, if, well, you could bet like if you think this fighter is going to win by knockout, you okay. could bet specifically on a fighter mm -hmm. to win by knockout. You win a little bit more money. If a guy's a submission artist, bet on this guy to win via submission. So there's a couple of little prop bets in there, too, That's that are cool. absolutely great. So make sure yeah. you go to my bookie. Look at some of those prop bets because you can get real creative with it. And it's awesome. So, well, the Falcons got creative with their pass rush because they drafted yes. two guys. We'll talk about them in tandem here. Arnold Ebiketti, who was a player that I, I liked. I kind of think that he's, you know, a, a poor man's uh, version of, of like a, a, a Von Miller type. You know, he's, he's a, okay. a, a touch undersized 
he's decent against the run, but not not exactly a, a, a great player against the run. And but he he does have some pass rush juice. And like you mentioned, Matt, they needed a wide receiver in the worst way, and boy, they needed some pass rush help in the worst way too. They they struggled mightily getting to Tom Brady last year. Tom Brady torched the Falcons in two games. And when you look at what they they had entering the draft, Lorenzo Carter, they signed him from the Giants. Lorenzo Carter, he wow. had five sacks last year. And that was pretty much it. So Arnold Ebicchetti is going to start opposite Lorenzo Carter. The other player that, that they like, who I, I actually kind of like a little bit better, Me too. is D'Angelo Malone. I think he's... He had a good senior bowl. He's kind of a springy guy. Reminds me a lot of Leonard Floyd coming out of Georgia, a little bit more of a poor man's Floyd, where he played at a lesser conference rather than the SEC. Put up a ton of great production, though. He's probably going to be a designated pass rusher, and uh, and I like that. So I, I like I like the London pick. I don't love it. I like the Ebiketti and Malone pick. They needed guys, and they got him. What say you, Matt? Yeah, with Evan Ketty, I, I like his I like him as a player overall because he's just got that high motor, that high energy guy that I just love seeing in, in in any player. You know, some guys, you're all here, you're professional, but some guys just put in more effort than others. You just see it when on the field and in training camp. And I think you get that with him there. I think he's sound as both a run stopper and a pass rusher. My concern with him is that I feel like at times he's relied a little bit too much on just his strength and power, yeah. and you can get away with that at the college level. But at the NFL level, you're not going to – only a select few people in the entire league can really go and do that. So my concern for him would be you got to find that secondary move, that third move, or as Shaq Barrett likes to say, an arsenal of pass rushing moves. You can't just rely on a bull rush going with brute strength but overall I, I i like the caliber of player that he could turn into with his potential malone scott you already said it like he was one of the guys that i was very impressed with at the senior bowl because you go in there's a lot of big name guys uh, all over the place and you think western kentucky you're not automatically being like yeah football powerhouse this guy's going to dominate but i thought malone did a great job during the week at, at, at the senior bowl had a quick first step solid bend as well too another energetic player that I think if you put him on the field, he's just going to go, 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 go be relentless out there and he'll work his way. You might not see it right away. First quarter, maybe even second quarter, but I just think with the, the amount of reps that he can get and a little bit more experience at the NFL level for, for the, for the late round pick that they got him in. Uh, I thought this was a really great pick for Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, that, um, that both of these players uh, are going to be better than what they had. So there's an upgrade there, but how much of an upgrade? I mean, time will tell, right? That that's, yeah. we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, when you look at, at the, the next uh, pick, Troy Anderson, the linebacker from Montana state in the second round, I loved his athleticism. I loved his production. The tape was a little questionable at, um, at Montana state just because he's making the transition from quarterback to linebacker. <laughs> and he's, he's playing at a small school, FCS, so just from an yeah. athletic standpoint, he could dominate. But you look at the film against North Dakota State, he kind of got chewed up there. He, he reminds me more of, of a, a Barrett Rude-type linebacker rather, rather than someone who's going to just take on uh, the, the hole and take on the blocks and shed him. He's going to be making the tackle like seven yards down down the the uh, the line of scrimmage and 
And uh, Barrett made a ton of tackles, but that was after plenty of five, six, seven, eight-yard gains by the running backs. So I like Anderson, but from just an instinct standpoint and a physicality standpoint, he's got a long way to go. The athleticism is there for sure. The speed is there. But can he stand in the hole, hold his gap, shed blocks? That remains to be seen. That's funny because you talk about that. That's a situation where the the stats don't always tell the story. Like, oh, he had 15 tackles, but okay, half of more than half of them were eight, nine, ten yards, something like that. I really like Troy Anderson. I think you and I were on a podcast a couple weeks ago where we were talking, obviously before the draft, but we were yeah. talking about Troy Anderson. I mean, the amount of tackles that he had in college were unbelievable. But the fact that he's transitioning from quarterback to linebacker, he's going to have some type of vision just seeing how the play develops and uh, moving from quarterback to linebacker. And I really liked at the senior bowl too, his speed going sideline to sideline or Mm -hmm. once he picks out a play and and sees it develop right away, he was just zooming right into that backfield. So I think it's like you said, it's, it's more of a learning how to get by blockers, how to get that move to make sure you're not, that the lineman that's coming at you trying to get to the second level, you're able right. to avoid that. If he can do you that, I think it'd be a great pick, but I loved his speed yeah. overall. And I can see Shaq Mason get to him on the second level and just wipe him out in the run game, <laughs> like over and over again. I, right. I can totally see that. Um, and, and also too, with Evichetti and D'Angelo Malone, you're going up against two top-notch tackles, right? And Donovan mm-hmm. Smith and Tristan Wirfs, that's the strength of the Bucks' offensive line, in my opinion right now, are the, are the tackles. I don't see those guys winning too many uh, battles against the the Bucks veterans there. Uh, Desmond Ritter, third round pick, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. This was, uh, you know, an interesting pick because the Falcons had a chance to get Malik Willis. They had a chance to get several quarterbacks. Yep. They end up drafting Ritter in the third round, and there's just some question marks about him, right? I mean, this was not a great quarterback class, and and Ritter, I think he's going to have a little bit of time to develop behind Marcus Mariota who's a similar style quarterback, a little bit of a dual threat. Ritter is a good athlete. So I, I think it's a good scheme fit for Arthur Smith, who's an offensive-minded head coach. Um, it's just a matter of how soon is, is Ritter going to see the field. And when he sees the field, is he going to be just a guy or is he going to be a, a quarterback that Atlanta can really build around? And, uh, and I'm just not sure, right? I didn't have a lot of faith in this quarterback class. Mm-hmm. I, I like Ritter. I saw him play a ton at Cincinnati. But a lot of times you look at the level of competition they played, you know, in the AAC, they, mm-hmm. they dominated there and he had you know, Alec Pierce to throw the ball to Jerome Ford to hand off to the, the you know, to his credit, he showed up and really took that program to the next level. So I, th- I think there's a little bit of an it factor there and it's just going to be, can he be accurate? How quickly is he going to translate to the NFL? How soon is Arthur Smith going to throw him into the fire? There's just a lot of question marks there, in my opinion. Yeah, I was curious uh, because the the lack of talent or the lack of you know love of any quarterback in in this year's quarterback draft class. If you and knowing that you have Marcus Mariota there, who has a history with Arthur Smith going back to going back to Tennessee, if you know that that Mariota is going to be your guy this year, I understand drafting someone letting him be a mentor unless you're playing with Ryan Tannehill, letting him be a mentor, like help, <laughs> help you go along the way there. Yeah, but, well, screw you, man. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we'll see. You're not going to we'll take see. my job. Yeah, no, we'll hell see. No. We'll see what happens with with Marcus Mariota, but with the quarterback class that's coming out this year, that I think, and there's still a long way to go, but I think many experts and everyone that that covers the draft are way way higher. Yeah. On this upcoming quarterback class. True. Why not just take a, a quarterback that year? Because I, I understand if it was like a fifth or a sixth round pick, but this yeah. is a third round pick. You know, you're I still agree. drafting players that are going yeah. to and the Falcons make an are going to suck. So yeah, you yeah, like to make an, yeah, sure. Draft a player that's going to see the field, field, right? Yeah. Also, I kind of felt bad for Arthur Smith. I don't know if you me- remember this when we were at the uh, at, at the NFL owners meetings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was right before the Bruce Aarons retirement, Todd Bowles news. So right. all the other NFC coaches spoke, but Bruce Arians obviously wasn't there. Yeah. So we went around, we spoke to the other NFC South coaches and Arthur Smith, half the questions he got was about Russell Cage coming to the Bucks. <laughs> like, he's like, what is it with yeah. Russell Gage? Like everyone's asking yeah. about Russell Gage. I think Ira Kaufman asked him a question. Of course, I we're bouncing Joe, around from, yeah. from coach exactly. to coaches, it's, right? It's not, yeah, it's right. not like we're all so, standing. Joey Knight, I think, asked a question. Joey Knight too, asked so. a question from the Times. <laughs> Ira Kaufman asked the question. Then I show up and I ask about Russell Gage and he's just yeah. like, are you guys working for like Russell Gage's PR firm or something? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's a good player. He's not here anymore. We wish him well, except for twice a year. I mean, yeah. Arthur Smith is kind of a funny guy. There's a little bit of a, uh, you know, but he's a good guy. Like I, I kind of appreciate his prick, prickishness, I guess. Yeah. A little sure. bit of a break. He's a good guy though. I, I like him. I mean, I, We'll see how he how he ends up coaching, but but um, let's let's finish out the the Falcons draft here, and and they they got a guy that I really like. You love uh, running, lo- yeah, yeah. You had him in a lot, a couple different yeah. mocks. You've talked about him a lot. Tyler so. Algier. This is a big yeah. bruising running back that can catch the ball, that can pass protect, and he's going to form a good one two punch with Cordero Patterson. They also got Damian Williams from the Chiefs uh, after. Um, you know, after coming from Kansas City, so mm-hmm. that's another guy that can run the ball and catch it. So the Falcons don't have a lot of wide receiver, right? I mean, they don't have Julio Jones anymore. Calvin Ridley is is suspended. They they did draft Drake London, but they're going to get their their running backs involved in the passing game. We know Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. Now they got another guy that can do it aside from Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier, uh, and and I think that he's going to see the field quite a bit and. Uh, yeah, that's right, Emily. Yes, prickishness. Um, <laughs> New word. Yeah, and and I I like this draft for Atlanta. I think Atlanta got better. You throw in Schaefer and Fitzpatrick to make the Bulldogs fans happy and the Georgia fans happy. I think it's a solid draft. You know, I I don't find a lot of holes in it. Did they draft any great players? I don't know. Did they draft I- players that were better than than the players that are on the depth chart now? Yes, I think these players whether they're C's replacing D's or B's replacing C's. And we'll see if any of these players end up being A's. But I think the Falcons legitimately got better. And maybe seven wins this year as a result. We'll see. Agreed. Definitely upgrades. Like London, we'll see. I think he has the most potential to be like their Pro Bowl guy or future of the franchise, whatever you want to call it. I think one of those edge rushers is is going to – to turn out and your guy from BYU, yeah. uh, Algier. I, I, I like think him. he's a good player. I I think there's definitely potential to be uh, maybe not like a not a superstar running back, but certainly right. like a guy that can contribute to a team. And I think fantasy football people will like a lot too once uh, Cordell Patterson eventually 
uh, either goes somewhere else or isn't playing in the NFL anymore. So good trade yeah. for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I like Algier. I mean, he's not a player I'm going to root for, obviously, because he plays against the Bucks. Yeah. He's probably not a guy I would take to Colorado either. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Matt, we got to get to Colorado. We need to get to Colorado. We had a lot of fun in, in West Palm Beach at the NFL we, owners meeting. I mean, imagine the fun we'd have in Colorado. And I would definitely take you. I would not take Tyler Algier. Um, he's probably <laughs> been there because he played BYU right next door right. to Colorado. So anyways, listen, folks, Immuni Financial, right? I've got most of my financial assets with Immuni for one reason. I think they do a tremendous job of communication of, of understanding the ever-changing economic climate in in this world that we're living in right now. And they're going to help you plan ahead and stay ahead. That's their motto. They've been doing this for over 40 years here in the Tampa Bay area. And no matter where you're living across the country, they can help you too. So I advise you to give them a call, just like I did, 1-800-868-6864, or visit amuni.com. Even if you already have some some financial advisors, if you've got some people that that, uh, that watch over your money. It's never a bad thing to have a second opinion, especially when it comes to your legacy planning, right? To the people that are managing your brokerage and advisory services that are helping you save money for like your kid's college uh, savings uh, accounts and, and also for your retirement, right? So why not get a second opinion? Call Immuni Financial, 1-800-868-6864. Visit immuni.com, plan ahead and stay ahead with immuni.com. All right, Matt. So uh, that that brings us to the Carolina Panthers. Last, but kind of least. Yeah, <laughs> kind of least. Uh, and I think kind of least because uh, they didn't have a lot of draft picks and they didn't have, they only had really two guys in the first two days. And that's, mm -hmm. that's Icky Ikwanu, who, which I think great pick, right? I mean, he's going to replace Cam Irving. And he'll be that left tackle that's going to give Joe Tryon Shoenka or, or Shaq Barrett some fits over the years. And uh, I, I think this was a good pick. There were people that said maybe Kenny Pickett to the Panthers at number six. But no, they're going to go all in on Sam Darnold, apparently, for another year. Maybe try to get Baker Mayfield prior to the season. But they had a chance to get a franchise-type left tackle, and they got one. And I think they had they, they didn't have the first the first selection of any of the tackles. Yeah, well, and it worked out well for them where the, the board just fell to it because it was all defensive players to, to really get it started. And yeah, it, it was Icky and it was um, and it was Neil, just the top two tackles. And uh wasn't like a couple of years ago when there was four tackles and the Bucs right. got the best out of all of them with the last one. I don't think you really could have gone wrong either way, uh, but that that was definitely a need. The And you, you mentioned Sam Darnold and maybe Baker coming in. I'm all I'm, I'm glad for if you're a Carolina fan, I think you should be glad that they didn't take a quarterback in the first round, because other than Matt rule, who obviously needs to win if he wants to to keep his job, that's the same for every <laughs> yeah. NFL coach. But yeah. the, what the Panthers should be doing is building up their program, bringing in great players or 
what they hope to be great players with Icky there and almost kind of just punt on the season. Like Sam Darnold's not going to, yeah. he's not going to lead you guys to at least win the division. Uh, now with the extra wild card, you never know what could happen, right. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even expect that to happen either, but you know, you're only, you're only going to have to deal with Tom Brady for probably, or for their, their yeah. sake, hopefully one more season. They, they got to get Just, a quarterback. It's exactly. going to have to be so, next year. Punt on this year. I'm not saying tank because that's illegal, but <laughs> punt on this year. Make sure you get a top 10 pick. And then yeah. again, a very rich quarterback class this year. Yeah. I don't think Matt Rule wants to do that. Future. I think one more Matt bad Rule season can't, he's gone. Matt, exactly. Matt Rule absolutely can't do that. Yeah. And that's what I've been talking about where there's no patience in the NFL. There's no patience in any sports league, really. Yeah. But sometimes you have to understand, like, we're really building towards the future here. And I think yeah. Matt Rule is a good coach. I mean, we've seen him turn around a lot of different programs in college right. football, and he's trying to do the same here with the Panthers. And I think he's got a, a good offensive scheme, and I think he's a yeah. solid coach. Just sometimes you know, if you don't have the players, you can't do it. You know who who had almost too much patience and then finally just said, screw it, not enough patience for a good reason, is is uh, is uh, 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 Shad Khan. The Jaguars owner, he he gave Gus Bradley a four year deal and stuck with Gus for all four years. Mm-hmm. He did. I mean, Gus Bradley just didn't get any better, but he gave him all four years to try to turn that thing around, and it just didn't happen. And it wasn't going to happen. I love Gus, but it just wasn't going to happen, right? And then obviously they had the whole Urban Meyer debacle last year, and he didn't even last a full season. That was the right move, yes, um, by by Shad Khan for sure. So it's just funny though to see to see a, a head coach get the entire term of the contract and then get fired, right? Usually, I mean, look at the Blazers, right? I mean, Raheem Morris didn't see the end of his contract. They didn't see uh, Greg Schiano to the end of his. Levy Smith only got two years and he was canned, right? Dirk Cutter yeah. the same way. So I applaud the Blazers for a couple of years saying, "Okay, we've done this. It, you're not the right guy. We're moving on," right? But they were patient with Jason Light. Correct. That was the, they that were was the right call. Yeah. Yeah, that was the right call. Also, shout out uh, Tony Khan. He's our he's our boy. We met yes, him at the uh, NFL Tony, owners yeah. meetings. But yeah, yeah I, I see your point. Sometimes you don't want to wait too long. I do think this year it's like it's now or never for Matt Rule. Is either yeah. you, you got to show improvement. And I think, I don't know, if Carolina comes close to making the playoffs yeah. and he could be like, listen, I did this with Sam Arnold or Baker, whatever goes on. Right. Give me another year because if we get the right quarterback, yeah. almost make the case they, they like they win the more games though. Before they right. before they had Brady, it was if we get the quarterback, yeah. like we have all the pieces there. Right. I'm not I, saying Carolina's think, on that level yet, but I think there's room the for Panthers. I've got to get seven, eight wins. Right. You you got to take a step. You got to show some improvement. I think that's the thing. Maybe finish second in the NFC South. Right. I think that mm-hmm. that would probably do it. The Saints would have something to say about that, I'm sure. We've got something to say to you all pewter people out there that are watching. We greatly appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Make sure you subscribe to our Pewter Report TV YouTube channel and hit the like button on our videos. We're rapidly approaching 8,300 subscribers on our YouTube channel. That's Pewter Report TV. It costs nothing to subscribe. It's just hitting a button, folks. And then once you do that, make sure you like all of our videos, all of our Pewter Report podcasts, all the great content that Matt's putting out from our press conference footage. Uh, Every time you like that, it helps our algorithm. It helps other Buccaneer fans on YouTube find us and helps uh, get more Bucks news information and entertainment that we produce 
out there to the masses. So thank you all for doing that. Uh, finishing up, Matt, with this this Carolina Panthers draft, they did the same thing that the Falcons did. They took a flyer on a quarterback in the third round, and they got old Mrs. Matt Corral, who was not okay, the okay Corral. He had uh, <laughs> some some questions about kind of his personality and, you know, I don't want to say character, maybe character, but uh, not really sold on, on Matt Corral. I actually like Desmond Ritter better. I think this this would be a huge win if somehow, some way, Corral could could uh, beat out Sam Darnold for the job and, and be a third round surprise. I'm not expecting that to happen. Uh, Brandon Smith is, is an interesting linebacker. Probably play a Sam. Probably not start. I think that you're looking at a developmental player there. Good athlete, and we'll see if he has a chance to see the field. He'll contribute on special teams for sure. Amari Barno was simply a guy that was just a fast, long uh, edge rusher for Virginia mm -hmm. Tech. He's not very big. He's very light in terms of, of size, but that's what the Panthers like. They like really undersized, fast <laughs> guys that Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs, quite frankly, throw around. I, I don't think that the Panthers' right. pass rush has been nearly as effective against Tampa Bay as Tampa Bay's pass rush has been against Carolina. Yeah, Smith and Wirfs. Both are definitely quick enough to to keep with him. Um, you know, pretty speedy, as he said. But once a tackle is engaged with you, you don't really yeah. have much of a shot. A uh, Corral, uh, another dual threat guy. Obviously, he came from a pretty high powered offense yeah. with Ole Miss. Um, he was very mobile, could throw it and, and run it as well. But there's a couple of uh, durability issues with him, and and um, I don't know how great of his his passing in the college will translate to the NFL level. Yeah. But again, I don't love take again, this quarterback class not being great. Yeah. Don't take one in the third, take right. one in the fifth. Especially when they're the sliding. Sixth. Yeah. I mean, like Sam, yeah, Sam, yeah. Howell, Sam Howell went to, you know, he went to uh, uh, the Washington commanders, you know, and he's, he's yeah. got a chance to be at a Taylor Heineke for the number two job. And he might even put some pressure on Carson Wentz, who I'm not sold on either. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I know every year we we question so many different picks, but when you just yeah. see and everyone's talking about that it's not that it's not a good quarterback class. And I'm not saying that GMs should just listen to the media and oh well yeah. they think this, so we should do that. But when it's like a universal general consensus, you would have to imagine front offices are yeah. thinking the same well. And I understand you fall in love with one guy, you trade up and you make sure you get him, even if it's such a, a bad class but again you just wait to the fourth round wait till the fifth round it wasn't yeah. like other teams were going to take these players like yeah you might lose crowd but you can get howell or who, whoever you want to it's just it's bad decision yeah. making it's just and, bad and, bad draft selections by general managers i agree i was not really thrilled with carolina's pick i think i think they probably had the worst draft of of them all kalen barnes is a is a fast corner that lacks instincts to play the position. That's why he's in the seventh round. Cade Mays, a decent offensive line, but Carolina's offensive line was horrible. Now, to their credit, they did get Bradley Bozeman, the center from Baltimore. I think he's a huge upgrade there. Pat Alfline, will he get pushed by Cade Mays? Uh, Mays? They're probably hoping that's going to be the case. Austin Corbett steps in at right guard. Tampa Bay owned Carolina's offensive line last year. So they had to get better there. I think they got better at tackle with Equanu. 
I think they got better at center with Bradley Bozeman, but they're still not there yet in terms of, of Carolina. Uh, we're going to finish up, Matt, with uh, with these guys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Tampa oh, Bay yeah. Buccaneers, Peter people. They did a great job, I think, of filling needs. Let's start with Logan Hall. He's going to start a three-tech. We talked yesterday about how it appears like they're turning the page on Dominican Sue. Sue, right? And and you look at, at some of the guys he's going to be going up against. Uh, the Falcons, Jalen Mayfield. If I'm if I'm uh, Todd Bowles, I'm finding the, the best matchup against uh, for Logan Hall. And if Jalen Mayfield is starting in Atlanta, that guy is a he's a, a human turnstile. So I I love the Hall matchup even as a rookie against Jalen Mayfield. You look at Carolina. We talked about their guards, uh, Pat Offline, Austin Corbett. I, I think he can hang with with them. New Orleans. Little bit of a different situation there. Uh, yeah, you know, Andres Pete, when he's healthy, is a decent player. Cesar Ruiz has not been the player they expected him to be. Um, I, I think you can see some winnable matchups here for Logan Hall in the NFC South. There's there's really no Pro Bowl guards anywhere in the South. Yeah, especially you mentioned the Atlanta offensive line and the Bucks. I don't think they've annihilated an offensive line like they have the Atlanta Falcons over the last two or three seasons, pretty much since Todd Bowles has gotten there. Now, sure. Part of it might be that Matt Ryan is not the most mobile quarterback and can't have that escapability that some others, but I would also argue that Matt Ryan was a veteran that knows when to get rid of the ball. So if he's still getting sacked multiple times, I'm still having, you know, flashbacks of, and these were blitzes. So it doesn't really apply a ton to, to Logan Hall, but I just remember when they would just blitz Devin White up the A gap relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> and Devin yeah. White, what I don't know if it's because he was playing in Atlanta and LSU obviously played a lot of uh, SEC championship games there, but Devin White literally had a rodeo when when he every time that he plays in Atlanta. But Logan Hall, I think, can really step in there and really a great boost of confidence to go up against an Atlanta Falcons offensive line the Bucks obviously got him because of his natural pass rushing ability that's something that Jason Light really talked about yeah so I, I mean, think he's a very favorable he's, matchup for Logan Hall he's sacking Logan Ritter right there so I mean that's that's a good sign right um I, when you look at at, uh, at and he might be sacking Logan or uh, Desmond Ritter later this year if Ritter ends up uh, beating out Marcus Mariota in uh, in the second round Luka Decky right I mean he's probably going to start at the left guard position, that's what we've been hearing. That's the expectation, at least. It may be Aaron Stinney in week one. It's just because Stinney knows the offense. I would not bet against Luka Decky. This guy is kind of the real deal uh, from the tape we've watched. We watched him with John Ledyard, and he agrees wholeheartedly. He's a big fan of this pick. You know, the Bucks front office and scouts and coaches love this guy, and I really think he's going to be an impactful player. And when you look at, at the defensive tackles, He's going to be going against uh, Grady Jarrett is is probably the, the best pass rusher out of the NFC South defensive linemen. Carolina's um, their defensive lineman uh, Derek Brown he's not really lived up to. Yeah, they're they're more edge their billing. Centric. They're more edge centric. Yeah, Brian Burns, Carolina. Etero Gross, uh, Matos, Matt, Matos. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's more of of where their their strength is. Uh, New Orleans, I, I'm a fan of David Onyemata. I think he's a good player. I think he's a player that's given Tampa Bay some fits. Sometimes they'll put Peyton Turner inside or Demarcus Davenport inside 
to get some nickel rush um, capabilities there and get some other guys like like Carl Granderson on the field. Um, and, and we'll see uh, how how they want to attack the Buccaneers. But I, I think that, that the, the Bucs did a pretty good job of getting Tom Brady an extra guy up front that's going to help them in the run game especially and, and also in, uh, in pass protection. Not going to be up to Ali Marpet's level right away, folks. Don't expect of that. Course. but But I think he's a good player. There's a reason uh, they traded up for him too. Sorry, not to cut you off there. No, but there's a reason exactly that right. they yeah. that they traded up for him, knowing that they already have three guys in the hopper that are going to be competing yes. for that starting role. So it just yeah. it speaks a lot to what they think about Kadek. Exactly. You know, and we'll see how how often White and Otten see the field, and obviously Jake Kamada, he's going to start, but uh, that that's a punter. So I mean, th- that's that's pretty much how the NFC rookies, NFC South rookies, will fare against all the NFC South teams, and that's kind of the. The show for today, folks, we're we're excited uh, to have you with us and we want to see more of you. We do these shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. We're trying to line up some Buccaneer players to come in now that they're entering the OTA phase. We've got a couple of guys we've put some feelers out to and we hope to have uh, a Buccaneer guest maybe as early as next week. So, uh, Matt, you've got a show tomorrow at four o'clock. That's right. I'll be on again tomorrow at four. I believe Casey Hudson will be there with us. Kay Huddy. If not, we'll have JC on. We will have another member of the Pewter Report podcast on. Uh, Make sure to bring some questions. We'll be answering your questions. And uh, still talking about the draft and a couple of other just Buccaneers-related topics. There's still a lot to get into in terms of uh, the direction of this team with the Bucs rookie minicamp right around the corner coming up next week. And we're also going to talk uh, with the offensive coaches next That's week, right. then it's Fox Rookie Minicamp. So a lot of more information coming, a couple more articles coming out this week about Rashad White, one on Devin White, one about Carlton Davis. We got Joe that coming up. Vita Joe Tryon as well, too. Yeah. And we already have a ton of content on pewterreport.com right now and on our YouTube channel. We have two videos out today already with one about Vita Vea, one about Devin White. Uh, we have a couple more coming up, too, today, tomorrow, and over the weekend. So a lot more content for you every single day. I know you guys are very busy, busy with your lives and work and friends and family. But if you ever have a little bit of time, just hop onto that YouTube, maybe a little bit of downtime. You want to chill out? Just watch Peter Report YouTube. We got the podcast. We got short videos. You don't want to watch an hour long? That's fine. We got two-minute videos. We got a minute-long video. We got five-minute videos. We got something that's there for a little bit of everyone, whether you want a ton of bucks content or a little bit of Bucks content. We got both of that for you. It's like, do you want a meal or do you want a snack? Right. That's kind you of want what an it's appetizer. all about. Maybe yeah. I just want and to have some ice cream and watch TV. Right. Boom. And if you want, there if you, you want Casey Hudson on the podcast, I, I think she's going to be on pretty much every Thursday. We're trying to kind of nail that down, but I, I think that's going to be the case. So she'll be on tomorrow. I believe that's, that's what we've talked about. And the other thing we talked about is make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. Matt, it's been a fun week with you covering these Buccaneers on the Peter Report podcast and and at the team facility on Tuesday with the defensive coaches. As you said, Matt, offensive coaches next week, followed by the the rookie minicamp. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you're staying tuned to Pewter Report uh, TV here on YouTube. And for Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Have a lovely day.